the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. Following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Church has been always under attack of one form or another. Waves of, a, of assaults on the church. It was the Gnostic era in the first century. Most of the New Testament heresies that Paul and, and John had to deal with had to do with Gnostics. Gnostics who were into all kinds of funny ways of thinking. And there was pagan thought brought into that and, and asceticism. And there was error later on about the deity of Christ. Of course, in the Gnostic era, there was... Uh, concerns about the deity of Christ as well, but church history and councils had to rise up and deal with the problem of, is Christ truly God? Is he truly man? Wouldn't it be great if we could just say, hey, I'm Swiss, I'm neutral. But in the spiritual war going on around us, there are no neutrals. We need to be ready if we hope to survive in these difficult times. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class led by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve's expository, or verse-by-verse sermons, naturally fit into series such as this one, which we just began in our previous broadcast. It's from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's called Surviving in Difficult Times. A friend told me about a TV news report from the Middle East that I found to be especially sad. The reporter stood in the midst of piles of rubble that used to be homes in a desert village. She wore a helmet and a flak jacket. A short distance behind her, some children were playing on a heap of cinder blocks. As the reporter spoke, there was a large explosion not far away, and she quickly explained that she and the cameraman had to take cover because the enemy was shelling again. As she said this, and as the cameraman lowered the camera with it still running, my friend said he could see the children still playing. They had become desensitized to the noise and danger. I wonder if they're still alive. We need to guard against becoming desensitized ourselves to the battle raging around us. It's often unseen, but the effects and the dangers are quite real. But this war is one we can and should survive. In fact, it's one we are meant to overcome. Here's Pastor Steve. So if you want to know what this present age is like, what it's characterized by, It'll be a hard time. You live in a hard time. It is a dangerous time. It is a difficult time to endure. It is a hard to cope with time. It is a menacing time. It is a perilous time. It's a threatening time. It's a dangerous time. I call it difficult days or a difficult time. And Paul wants Timothy and he wants us by way of application to know about these difficult days so that we'll know what's expected of us and how to handle these difficult days. I call this surviving difficult times. How do we survive? And when I say survive, I don't mean just live. 
just exist. I mean, how do we survive spiritually? How do we handle all this with some amounts of spiritual victory so that we're not swept away by these violent times? Well, tonight we want to begin a series of looking at this. We want to look at uh, uh, three things that if we understand and know these three things, it will help us to survive difficult times. If you want to be a survivor, you need to understand these three things. First of all, the first thing you need to understand is that the difficult days are permanent. They're a continuation. They're not passing from the scene. They are permanent. Let's look at that tonight. Verse 1. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. In other words, Timothy, I want you to recognize something. I want you to realize something. I want you to understand something. And what is it? What is it that Timothy was to understand? That in the last days, your contemporary scene and world, times, difficult times will come. Now, that's interesting to me. Why would Paul have to say Timothy recognized this if Timothy already recognized it? Why would, and, the, and the word recognize or realize or understand simply means that. Understand this. Be aware of this. Why would he tell Timothy to be aware of something if Timothy was already aware of it? May I suggest to you that Timothy was not aware of this? That Timothy didn't know this? That Timothy didn't understand? And Paul is writing to him so that he would recognize something? That he would recognize that the, that the difficulties of the last days will not pass away? They're not fleeting? They're not temporary? Now let's back up a moment. Paul closed chapter 2 by telling Timothy that some people who oppose the truth will recover. Some opponents of the gospel who are in the snare of the devil, and you must understand that. It's not that they're just uh, uh, wayward. It's not that they've just been naive and have made a mistake. No. Chapter 2, let's look at verse 24 through 26. And the Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome. Don't get into debates over speculative matters, but be kind to all. Someone comes to you and they want to debate something and they want to get you in an argument. No, don't do that. Be kind to them. If they allow you, the implication is teach them, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps, if maybe, it doesn't say this is going to happen for sure, but if perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth. There are times when God steps in, does a miraculous work in their hearts, and grants someone repentance. I don't understand how that works. But I know that man doesn't produce repentance on his own. And watch this, verse 26, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil. They are intoxicated and captured by the devil. And that's why he says, having been held captive by him to do his will. I take it he means the devil's will. So Paul closed chapter 2 by telling Timothy, once in a while, some people who are into, and I'll put it in our language, cults and false religion, and are swept up into this kind of thinking, and they are really uh, opponents of the gospel, sometimes God reaches down, grants them repentance, and they are delivered from Satan. Sometimes that happens. Recovery takes place for some. But Timothy, Timothy, realize this, that just because some opponents of the gospel are delivered doesn't mean that the church is going to be free from attacks. So you have to read the Bible without thinking that there is a, a change in chapters. You understand that chapter divisions are not inspired. Someone later on came along and uh, just to help us, and they really are a help, they put it in chapter divisions. 
But when this letter was written, Paul didn't close what we call chapter 2 and say, Aha, I'll put over chapter, a new chapter, chapter 3. No, so you read it this way. Just because some are delivered from error, understand that doesn't mean that the church is going to be free from attacks. That's how you have to understand this. Paul wants us to understand that opposition to the truth is not a passing situation. It's permanent. It continues. It wasn't an isolated first century problem that was going on here. It wasn't that in Timothy's little corner of the world something really bad was happening. No, this is the way the age will be characterized by for the church. Now, how will this help you to survive difficult times that we live in? How does it really help you? Well, first of all, it'll help you to, from being, it'll keep you from being naive about the church and the church age. And some people are very naive. The church is going to be assaulted for as long as it exists. Remember we said this morning, Jesus said, the gates of Hades will not prevail, but they'll sure charge up against the church. They won't overpower the church, but they'll attack the church for as long as the church exists. The gates of, of Hades, Satan's Dominion will attack the church. The opposition will not let up. It will only intensify. That's why he says in verse 13, but evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Remember when Jesus said in John 15 and John 16, I'm leaving you, I'm going away, but I want you to understand that if the world hates me, understand that it'll hate you. In this world, you'll have tribulation. And he was giving church age truths. It wasn't just for the disciples in the first century. Now, I think it really gives us insight into where Timothy was at. I really believe that Timothy may have reasoned this way. Now, these troubles of heretical teachers and apostates and disobedience are only temporary. They can't last this long. They can't last very long. I'll just lay low until the troubles pass away. I'll just sort of take a vacation for a while until these difficulties just die out. And then I'll take the lead in the church. And Paul wants Timothy to know, no, you don't understand. I'm going to be executed, and you can't wait for the troubles to cease because they're not going to cease. You have got to get going. You have got to take the baton, and you have got to run in this race. And you have got to get up and take your responsibility. Don't think that this is passing from the scene. It will not. It is, it is permanent. See, Paul's point is Timothy. You don't understand that the church is always going to be assaulted. And I have to say that to you. The church is always going to be assaulted. With the coming of Christ, how glorious that was. But it also, with his coming, came the difficult times for the church that belongs to Christ. The attacks. And it's not that, our, that the church age is characterized by one continuous, unrelenting assault. It's not that. Now watch this. Notice in verse, three, in verse 1, in the last days, difficult times will come. Times, that's a key word, times. You know what it means? We could translate it seasons. Seasons will come. They'll come and they'll go like seasons. The church will be attacked like seasons. In other words, there'll be difficult time periods. That's the thought, time periods. Storms will hit and then they'll subside. Tornadoes will come, and then they'll die down. Hurricanes will sweep through, and then they'll leave. That's the thought here. It isn't that the church is always under the same kind of attack. It's just that the church will have seasons of attack. 
It's not that there's one continuous unrelenting attack. It's that there are time periods of attack. You may get a breather here and there, but as a general pattern, the church will endure attacks, dangerous attacks that will threaten the very life and heart and vibrancy of the church. That's what he wants Timothy to understand. It's permanent. And this has been the history of the church for 2,000 years. Church has been always under attack of one form or another. Waves of, a, of assaults on the church. It was the Gnostic era in the first century. Most of the New Testament heresies that Paul and, and John had to deal with had to do with Gnostics. Gnostics who were into all kinds of funny ways of thinking. And there was pagan thought brought into that and, and asceticism. And there was error later on about the deity of Christ. Of course, in the Gnostic era, there was... Uh, concerns about the deity of Christ as well, but church history and councils had to rise up and deal with the problem of, is Christ truly God? Is he truly man? And the orthodox position is he's both. He is the God-man, but that has always been uh, attacked, and even today it's attacked. Error about salvation. The early church. The early church had to fight this battle. Did you have to be a Jew in order to be saved? Did you have to go back to the law and keep the Old Testament commandments to be a Christian? And Paul stood for that. In fact, he withstood Peter to the face over that doctrine of grace. And the church, even even today and through the centuries, has had to deal with salvation and the error that's attacking it. In fact, we're going through a, a great assault these days where people are mistaking salvation and faith for easy believism, mere intellectual assent. And some who come along and say, listen, you cannot separate the, the, uh, that Christ is Savior and he's Lord, that in some circles, they would brand that heresy. Imagine that. And they would say, oh, you're trying to say that a person has to do all these things and he has to submit totally to Christ and have every area of his life uh, under his control to be saved. No, that's not what it's saying. But you certainly uh, can't come to Christ with an attitude of I mentally simply believe the facts about him and leave out his lordship. There must be a submission. There must be a, a repentance. There must be an attitude that says I don't want to continue in my sin. And you can't, uh, you can't say anything of, uh, about a lordship like, uh, well, let's make him lord of our lives. No one makes him lord. He is lord. You come to him, you recognize who he is, and you, you trust him for who he is and what he's done for you. But the church is, has been through attacks on that. It's still continuing. There are attacks through the years on the church from liberal circles and evolution, and in recent years, the inerrancy issue and debate. People saying the Bible has some errors and humanism today and all these things. The church has always been under attack from so many fronts. It isn't just that one attack is here and one attack is here. It is always assaulted and it comes in waves and it comes in intensity. But always the church goes through that. There'll never be a time where it'll be totally free from assault. These are menacing things and they threaten the church as a whole and they threaten local churches and individual Christians. They threaten you, they threaten me. And if you don't understand that this is the way things really are, not only will you be naive, and I said that's the first thing. This is how you survive. You, you stop being naive. But secondly, it'll help you to survive because when you move out from being naive, you'll understand what the ministry is all about. If you don't understand it, you can damage your ministry, and many people do that. In fact, they don't have much of a ministry. They back off from ministry because they miss the whole point. Let me explain. You've got to understand that to serve Christ especially in some leadership type of position. 
is to put yourself in a very vulnerable position, a position to be attacked. And there are people who have been burnt in the past. They've had some type of leadership position, perhaps, maybe not even leadership position, and maybe that's your situation. You've come down from a church from up north, and you were burnt in some way, and, and you were hurt deeply. You know what? If you don't understand that this is the nature of what's going on, it's very easy to back off and say, no, I don't want to do anything here. I'll just sit and listen. I don't want to be involved in, in the church anymore. I don't want to serve in any capacity. I don't want to be on any board. I don't want to be in, in teaching a Sunday school. I've had my share of hard times. Listen, let me explain to you. That's reality. Hard times are reality. You'll never get away from that. The only thing that we have to be careful about is how we respond to those hard times. Look at that verse again. But realize this, implying that some do not realize this. Realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. He's talking about the church. He's not talking about society. He's talking about the church. Society always has difficult times. They create their own problems. But the church will be assaulted from all different angles. And uh, there are people who have been in some ministry-type positions and ministry experience, and they are just gun-shy. They don't ever want to get put in those positions again. But don't be naive. That's the way it always is. That's the way it's going to be. We don't live in a utopian age. The church is not in a utopian world, and uh, we're going to have problems, and you cannot run away from them, and you can't retire to Florida and say, I'll let the young people do it. Ministry calls for this. You're on the front line. You're in the battle. And yes, you're going to get shot at. And yes, you're going to get hit. Do you know what you do? You retreat for a while, you get your wounds taken care of, and you come back stronger than ever. Recognize that the church must go through seasons of perilous, savage, violent attacks. And if you're in leadership, you stand before the church. In fact, that's what the word to rule means. It means one who stands before. So when when the shots come, guess who gets hit first? The leaders. There are always going to be problems in the church. And it's not going to get any better. It's going to get worse. And we looked at verse 13. Because men will get worse. There will always be evil in society. Always. However, the society that is evil will infiltrate the church, will come into the church. And that's why the church is going to have problems, because the evil in the world affects the church, because the church lets the evil come in. That's the problem. You see, we live in a very wicked world. And the church, even though it's told to be separated from the world, tends to jump on the bandwagon of the world. And whatever the world is doing, the church tends to buy into at times. And uh, we are living in very wicked times. And I, I think that times have never been more wicked. I think as man gets closer to the return of Christ, it just seems to get more wicked and more wicked. I think there have always been, obviously, wicked times, isolated spots of rebellion. But it seems to me that society today has gone mad with evil, mad with evil. You don't find pockets of rebellion. You find the whole, the whole gamut. You find the whole society. It's promoted. It's not just accepted. It used to be where it might just be accepted. Now it's promoted. There are ads on television that ought to make us blush. In fact, it ought to make us turn them off. There are ads for blue jeans that are close to being pornographic. There are advertisements for perfumes that are, that, that are really close to being pornographic, if not pornographic. Some uh, some time back, I received a bill from one of the department stores in our area, 
and you know, they always send you advertisements in there. One of the advertisements had a picture of a nude woman on it. Now, so this, is a, uh, this is a company, I won't mention the name of this company, very reputable, very reputable department store in our area. I was so insulted by it that when I sent my bill in, I wrote a little note to them and said, I, have, I am offended by this. And they wrote me back an apology, and I haven't seen that, that ad since. But listen, right in, in a bill from a reputable department store, there's a picture like this being promoted in bold ways. Evil around us is getting worse, which means that the church is going to get affected by it, and it is affected by it. And eventually it will climax in the falling away in an unparalleled manner of people from the truth. If you look at 2 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, and it's just a few books back from 2 Timothy, let no one... In any way deceive you, obviously some were coming into the Thessalonian church and trying to deceive them, for it will not come, he's speaking of the day of the Lord, it will not come, that is the tribulation will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of sin, the man of lawlessness as the Antichrist is revealed. Paul is saying don't let anyone deceive you because you know that you're not in the tribulation because before the tribulation comes, there is going to be a huge mammoth falling away of people who profess to know Christ and believe the truth, but they're going to abandon their theological positions. They never did know Christ. They just professed it, but they're going to abandon their theological positions. Orthodox doctrine will mean nothing to them. They will apostatize. They will reject the truth, even the truth that they mentally adhere to. Tremendous times. You say, well, that's a pretty pessimistic view. Yes, it is. It's a pretty pessimistic view of the church, of the church age, we should say. Well, I want you to understand that is pessimistic, but it has to be balanced by the fact that you and I can survive in these difficult times. Look at verse, uh, chapter 3 of 2 Timothy again. Verses 13 through 17. But evil men... And impostors will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things that you've learned to become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And from a child, Timothy, you've known the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. That's the balance. You don't have to be swept under by the assault. You have the word of God. You have something that you can adhere to. You have something that is a counter punch to the wickedness of our day. If you cling to the word of God, then you'll lead a spiritually productive life in spite of the evil around you. But it is unrealistic to be optimistic about the future, even the things that will take place in local churches. It's unrealistic to be optimistic about a trouble-free church. I recently read a fascinating new book written by a good friend of mine, Matthew Irvin. The book is titled, A Thousand Years with Jesus. As the title indicates, it's about the millennium when God and his people will rule the earth. Matt assembled various prophecies about the millennial government, geography, and so on, and even included opinions of the early church fathers. It's an interesting glimpse of the way life might be when Jesus returns and sets up his millennial kingdom. But that's not the way it is now. 
God's people do not rule the planet now, nor are we meant to rule it in the church age. But we are meant to influence it. All too often, the church is a thermometer rather than a thermostat, as we reflect the world's culture rather than resisting it. Pastor Steve Kreloff will have more about surviving in difficult times on our next Verse by Verse. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For more about Lakeside, go to lakesidechapel.com or call 727-441-1714. Pastor Steve has a special concern for the blind, so he likes for me to remind you once in a while about a special offer for anyone who has a digital talking book player from the Library Service for the Blind. If you'd like to have a free audio Bible for your player, call 800-838-5924 or visit www.blindbibles.com. That's 1-800-838-5924 or blindbibles.com. Verse by Verse is a listener-supported program. Have you been blessed listening to Verse by Verse? Perhaps the Lord is asking you to help us pay for the production costs and airtime necessary for these daily broadcasts. If so, we try to make it simple and secure at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Just click on the giving link for instructions, or you can give over the phone by calling Lakeside at 727-441-1714, which is the number I gave just a moment ago. If you visit the website, be sure to take a look at the message archive page if you'd like to get caught up on previous airings. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.